2: and start showing up so
0: visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner
2: on score North
1: and scorenorth.com
0: let's pump it up here let's pump it up it is twin season in fact i think i can find the i don't know there
1: there's like 15 unorganized pages here yeah. on our button bar there's pages from like our full radio days of four to five years ago that still exist on there are, there's a there's
0: a lot of cleanup that needs to be done here yeah. in the studio, but I found I found yeah. what I was looking for. It is twin season, win, win. and Declan win, win. has been on the fence. Judd's not even on the fence. Judd just still hates the twins. Last night we were talking to Tom Bernard. By the way, uh, you can find Mackie and Judd nine fifteen. Me Mondays and Fridays. Judd Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Talking sports or bars or Metrodome troughs on the new Tom Bernard morning show, com the legendary Tom Bernard, 915, com Monday through Friday. And We were talking to Tom last night at a happy hour, and uh, Judd couldn't get excited even. like it's, We're having fun. We're drinking beers. We're eating sliders, and Judd's like, I'm excited for baseball, not the Twins. Yep. I'm excited Correct. baseball's yeah. back, and a pitch well,
1: clock is here. Phillies and Pirates. Judd can't wait. <laughs> Did
2: you see the time of game? Twins, Red Sox yesterday was like 2.34. Yeah, oh. it is nice. I pulled my car to the side of the road and started crying, <laughs> weeping. It's emotional. Tears of joy.
0: Uh, the real test is going to be the first Sunday night baseball game between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Does it end before midnight central time? Then you'll know Does that baseball...
2: On a called third strike, not because it's a called third strike, but because it's a third strike because the batter wasn't set with eight seconds. Yeah, clock.
0: do they have the nuts to, if Aaron Judge is not quite fully looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left on the pitch clock, will C.B. Buckner still yes. follow the rules? That's oh, the you'll
2: step out. Are you kidding? This allows umpires not to have control again.
0: Yeah, I suppose it'll be a, a gleeful, joyful experience. Uh, all right, we like to rank things on Mackey and Judd, and so Declan, who's been kind of on the fence, is he going to buy back into the Twins? He was a season ticket holder last year. They've disgusted him so much that he's no longer a season ticket holder. Declan has a pecking order of the things the Twins need to do to get his buy-in specifically.
1: Yes, very, very important here. I'll give you a – we don't have a baseball-themed bed, so we'll just go with the NFL bed if that's, uh, if that's okay. that's okay. We definitely We, we, used we to. definitely have something that's like ninety seconds, and I don't want to feel I have to like fire it every ninety seconds. I've taken some of these beds and extended them so they don't have to, you know.
0: Yeah, what was it? So we have that. It was like the Major League Turn. theme song on loop.
2: Yeah, it was this right like here. Turner, Turner playoff song. Yeah, that's the Turner playoff song, right?
0: No, this it's is from Major This is from the movie Major League. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: I thought there was a Turner one that, that you guys had. You're right. a baseball night when I can pull
1: this one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah sorry, Turner. Coming up next. So I have five things. Five things to get me bought back into this Twins on the pecking order. And full disclosure, number five that I'm going to start with actually originally was number one. But Hmm. then I realized that actually this is the floor and baseline of what I need to have happen with this organization. Because it's actually external. It's nothing to do with the players on the field. It is something that I think has to change, and then once this changes, then we can get into the you know things on the diamond or okay. things that have to be made to to make the club better. So number five on this list: five reasons why I could be bought back, in, or why I can buy back into the Twins. Number five: stop perpetuating that you're just this little engine that could, that you're just this happy baseball team to be here, and that you have all these fun little things as distractions and these all excuses that you make. Hey, well, I guess we have a nice ballpark. Hey, I guess we traded for a guy with injuries. Hey, I guess this is the best we can do. Hey, we got a great, uh, concert series coming this weekend. Hey, this is the best. We have to start an Uber driver because that's the cards we were dealt. Stop telling me this marketing stuff. I loathe this that we're, we're the small ball and we made a great waiver claim. You don't know how great this can be. Oh no, you don't understand. There's, there's control here that you can manipulate here. This is such a savvy move. Stop. Full stop. This is an external thing, and that's what I think as I've gotten older and I've gotten smarter that I can't stand. I have been gaslit to think of, oh, we're the feisty piranhas, and they're making all these fun little savvy moves under the radar, and isn't it great that this is our fourth outfielder because this is the guy that has to play. I'm sick of that narrative, and that has to change. That has to change from the ownership to the marketing PR, the coverage, everything. That has to change for me to be bought back into the Twins. That's the borderline of what I am asking to be a fan again and full on into this baseball team.
2: I think you are starting. I I think that was a whole lot of really great angst that really starts with the media because the team's always going to try and tell you, like the team's going to put a positive spin on things, right? Like that's their. They sort of want they positive. want a
0: low bar of expectations, yes, right? Exactly. Hey, Oh, well, look
2: at us! We spent think, our payroll is fifteenth. Look at us, right? I think we need more Royces. I think what we need to do, Dex, is do what you just did, which is be like, no, 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 that's not good enough. I feel like there's this. It's not that the Twins claim a guy. If they claim a guy and then the coverage is, well, I mean, this could be a good pickup. And I found some analytics for why this could be a great, you know, this could be a savvy move. I think you're calling for, and I agree with you completely, the media to second guess more or not accept things more. Because I think if the, I think if in the process, and this would frustrate some Pollyanna fans, but I think if what the Twins tried to sell hit like a net of truth and was like conveyed correctly by the third party, that you wouldn't be as frustrated, because then it would be like, okay, the Twins tried to do this, but then I was told by, I don't know, let's say a thing I subscribe to, that this isn't necessarily the truth. So I I agree completely, but I almost don't blame the team. I blame a lot of people who cover the team for just providing this, oh, I'm sure it must be great, it's going to be great.
0: We have talked for a while that it it does feel like there's a, a weird protective shell around the Twins, this is a franchise that has the longest and most uh, abysmal postseason losing streak in American, uh, North American team sports history. 18 straight losses. And so I think what, what, uh, translating what Declan's saying into what Judd's saying, you're saying they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt every time they make a signing, a trade, Correct. a waiver transaction, something, right? that. That, that everything they do should be met with some level of skepticism. But I, th- I do think there's a, a large chunk of fans that would rather not live their lives that way, that even though the Twins have done all this emotional damage to them over the past two decades, they would still rather, hey, all right, I got enough crap going on in my life. I would like to just assume that the pitcher that they traded for is a good move that's going to help the team that I love to root for. Right. So there are there are going to be, regardless of their futility and, and you know, Awfulness in the playoffs.
1: There are a lot of fans that would just prefer that to be how the team is framed up. And, so I just want to warn you guys. And, and to Judd's point, but also I think that you know, yes, the media might perceive it from that way, but that's because the Twins then also feed them this type of stuff, right? Like we get bought into it. like, isn't it great that our pesky little Twins won a World Series and went worst to first, and they went on a great run and won all these division titles, but then they have nothing to show for it. And then there's kind of like, well, you could be the worst team in baseball for a decade. I haven't seen a playoff win since I was 11. I'm now 30. So, like, I, I know. I take a look around you, Ellen. In the words of Clark Griswold, I'm in the threshold of hell. I, I have, I have experienced what this is like. I don't tell me it could be worse. I think, I think this is worse. This is terrible. I need to see some more success. And I don't like the defending and just blind optimism that just because you signed Donnie Barrels last week, that oh, this is now the great. Offensive depth signing that you have we replace Luisa Rice. Donnie Barrels, it. is that what they're calling? the yeah, Donnie Barrels, apparently. That's his nickname. <laughs> that's
2: that? his nickname. From, <laughs> from I'm dead like, serious. He does, yes. he, oh, yeah. he does actually have a pretty good career yeah, back. Yeah, he does have a good, yeah. and he won a yeah, silver okay, slugger. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks Barrels. a lot for that. Yeah. Oh, but no, God. I I think, you know, I, professional sports teams, for the most part, are PR machines. Like, that's their job. For sure. It's up to us to filter that crap out and not just say, well, look at all the depth. Now now they've got a ton of depth. Now they're doing things right. Yeah, okay, they've got more depth, but then I think the question becomes why didn't you? Like why did it take a season of like Byron Buxton being hurt? Those Twins should have gotten Savage for that. Because he's always hurt. But like, when they is finally it? went out I think, and got well, I agree with of backup
0: I agree or. with you guys. But I think this is where I'm differing here. Okay. The season's about to start. What are you going to do? Are we going to, are we just going to, every time we talk about the twins, are we just going to crap on the last 18 years? Is that a, a sustainable way to do we our are going show? To,
2: we are going to create skepticism where it's necessary. And with this team, it's everywhere right now. And I feel it like last year, to my
1: last year got to, to the boiling point. Like we, it just, it, it boiled over. And to Phil's point, I don't want to continue to have, that's why I got so sour on talking about them by the second half of the season with on our show, because I thought it was, it was just, just, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. Well, and
0: by the time like the second half of the season rolls around when you're in the season, now yeah. it's, now it's, okay, the product is, I know they were in first place for at least part of like July, but they were it nose, they of- were nose diving once like the middle of May hit, Right. And they the, were in first place in September, Phil. That's true, at the beginning of September. But you could kind of see it all. They were like 15 games under 500 or 20 games under after a certain point. I'm just saying, okay, I understand the skepticism. I have been leading the charge on the don't-never-forget-0-18-in-the-playoffs since 2004. But mm-hmm. I do feel like we have to find some sort of ground to talk about the Twins that isn't just— yes ripping the crap out of them for the next month until they start to play games. Like they deserve to play some games. Yeah. They've done some things to their roster. They don't, they don't get the opportunity to play games and combat all of this for another month. So they deserve to play. This is kind of my philosophy. I'm skeptical. I hate the last two seasons. I hate the way they went about their pitching management. And sometimes I hate the little engine that could sort of, aw shucks, it's the best we can do. But they get to go defend themselves in a month and play some baseball games.
2: All right. Show you've matured, and I will believe in something. Show that you have come around. <laughs> Show that you know as much as I do about what you should and shouldn't do, and then we can talk.
0: The other thing, too, one one quick thing just to uh-huh, here it, we go. The, the, this sort of sometimes yeah, there's, like a, there's like a condescending tone yeah, that's with that's some it. of the coverage of the team that, like, oh. Huh. Every move is a genius move that the Twins make, and you're a casual if you don't if you don't yes. think so. It's like, Thank okay, you. why don't you zoom out for a second? Look yeah. at the last couple of years especially. But th- I do think they've done some good things. I do like their pitching staff. I love the Michael Taylor signing because to Judd's point, it's what they should have done, whether it was Michael Taylor or somebody else. They had to get at some point, plan ahead. You know that you have a guy that's not going to play 100 games. Plan ahead. You know that you just traded for a pitcher with a torn UCL a year ago, right? Well, what are we supposed to do? Plan ahead. And they planned ahead a little bit better going into the season, which is what I've been asking them to do.
2: All right, four all right. more that was, that was the that first four. That was number one. one. I love this that, start. That, that's why I said if, that, <laughs> if I ended with that, we would have continued
1: on. So I was like, wait, I have to start with it because that's well, the floor of the expectation. Okay. That was great. So, four things. And now, by the way, spoiler alert, these are all things on the diamond. So we, we will get to that now. Cool. Uh, number four, Byron Buxton plays in at least 140 games. Wow, 140 dude. games. Has he played
0: in 140 <laughs> games combined in his career?
1: Let's I look mean, that I, up I quick. I think the last four seasons it might be he 140. Played, he did play he 140 a, once, I think. Yeah, in 2017. Yeah. Yes, he did. And that year was was turned out to be a halfway fun year, and he was still more of a defensive guy with less power. He's now matured into a nice power hitter, but he has to stay. If he's playing 140 games, my interest in the Twins is through the dang roof. And rightfully so. He's an incredible player when he's on the field. The dude's just injured all the time. So if he's on the field for 140 games, and if that means 100, I don't know, 15, 20 at center field and 20, 30 at DH, that's okay with me too. But he has to play in 140 games. That's where I'm at with him.
2: Now, forgive me if um, I've tried to read as much of the coverage as possible from the fort, but I might've missed this. You know, keep in mind a year ago, they finally revealed that they had a goal of 100 games. They didn't reach it, but that was their goal. Right. Um, I am guessing that somewhere in a computer document or in a in some type of uh, on a notepad, there is a number written again. I'd be curious what that is. I would probably be shocked if it is one hundred and forty.
0: So he played. I don't see it happening. Just for reference here, so he played thirty-five games at DH last year, and Mm -hmm. fifty-seven games in the outfield at at center field think like all of them were center field. Yes. Um, so what's that per- percentage? Because the, to me, that's an interesting thing. So if there, awesome. it's like one. In, it's more than one in every three. It's like 40%. So 30. Well, let's just go 35 divided by the total games, which was 92. Uh, and that gets you to 38% of his games were at DH last year. So let's sure. say he plays 140 games. Then 53 of them would be at DH. Are you guys okay with that? With Michael Taylor in center field, yeah. I am too. Yeah. Just his, his bat is, is almost as valuable at well, this point as his glove.
2: It comes back to what, what Patrick continues to say, though. If he can play consistently, the strikeouts, you would really like to see cut down on. Like, that's Pat's point, Royce's point, and I don't disagree with that. I would like to see him put the ball in play more often. But uh, I think just from a game standpoint, if you get to 140, I think you'd surprise the Twins. Yeah.
0: I would. Uh, I hear you on the strikeouts, and his strikeouts were actually on a percentage level. They were the what's the highest strikeout percentage he had since 2016. Yeah, I would actually just take even the the somewhat flawed version of him, where he's not getting on base a lot, but he's hitting a ton of home runs. I would just take that for 140 games. If mm-hmm. I, I'm If it's one or the other, you can't have it all. You can either have him for 140 or you can have like a more disciplined version of him for one ten. Yep. Just give me the version. Dude, he was still a four war player, wins above replacement, playing a half a season last year. He was one of the in in the you know percentage of games that he played was one of like the top five or six most valuable players in all of baseball. But can you can you get it for more than ninety two games?
2: One hundred forty would absolutely shock me.
1: All right. Number three. Number three. Uh, turning your bullpen into one of the best units in baseball. Turning your entire bullpen into just a fire squad of guys. So obviously, Johan Duran's up there. Jorge Lopez showed flashes of dominance, but also was a little volatile last season. Griffin Jax has shown moments of being solid. You have Jorge Alcala, who's now back from injury. Can you basically turn this bullpen into a sport that is getting farther away of starting pitchers going deep into games? And I'll get to the pitching staff later on in the pecking order, but... Can you turn your bullpen into a lights-out fire squad that shuts down opposing teams? I mean, look at what the Royals did when they won their World Series. They didn't have necessarily a great shutdown ace in that rotation. They had a deep rotation, but they had a great bullpen that was able to get guys out. The Astros right now have an incredible bullpen. Can you turn some of these guys? Is Jorge Alcalo, when he comes back, can he turn into something? Mm -hmm. Is there another level to Griffin-Jax's game, right? Like, Can can some of these guys turn into just a fire squad of dudes? I know Johan Duran is good. Duran is one of the best now relievers in baseball. Mm-hmm. I have, and maybe there is another level to him, which is even scarier, but can you turn this bullpen into one of the best units in baseball? If that's the case, if we want to measure that by ERA and, you know, strikeout percentage, if it's both top five, I really like the twins chances in a playoff series. Cause it comes down to a good bullpen.
0: You know, they, uh, th- th- in terms of like, the fire part of the fire squad, this is going to be on paper, the hardest throwing bullpen they've ever put out in the history of twins baseball. They have multiple guys that average 97, 98 plus on their fastball. Durant, so Duran's average fastball, average fastball, not just when he's like feeling it some night, is 101 miles an hour, which is insane. We've never seen that. You know, think about the Joe Nathan's, like Joe Nathan was throwing like 94, 95, maybe. Maybe he'd hump it up to 96, 97, and Duran's average fastball is 101. Uh, Lopez, 97-mile-an-hour average fastball. Even Pagan averages, like, 96. Griffin Jacks averages 96. So, like, they've got... Now, the whole league is also averaging higher uh, fastball velocity, but they've got some arms in that bullpen, and maybe Alcala coming back can be as the third or fourth guy. Interesting bullpen. It's an interesting bullpen. We'll see how they hold up health-wise and depth-wise.
2: Yeah, and Pagan's got to show us. I mean... I'm surprised he's back. But that being said, now, you've got to have a quick hook there, right? Roster-wise. Like, if he has a bad first Dude, month and a him. half They again, love him. I know. But, I mean, this is – but like, we, we're so in love with what the gun shows. We're so, we're so in love with, well, look at how hard he throws, and he's going to just hump it up there. And it's yeah. like, okay, these are big league hitters. They can hit this stuff. I also was startled and somewhat disturbed by how bad Lopez was after he was acquired from Baltimore. Um, I don't know if he got tired. I don't know what what occurred there, but I'm very wait and see because it's great to talk about radar guns showing this. Oh, this is phenomenal, and then they face guys and they can't hit the strike zone and they get hit. And so, like I am, I love the thought of to Dex's point, just a bunch of. Just firemen coming in, saving the day. But we need to see it.
0: Uh, I have one more Pagan stat for you that is going to maybe blow your minds. So they have a stat called home run to fly ball ratio. So the percentage of fly balls given up that leave the ballpark for a home run. Yes. His home run fly ball percentage was almost 20% last year, meaning that one in every five fly balls that he allowed, over the Went fence. over the fence. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's called batting practice. <laughs> Dude, so. that's insane. It occurs before the game, too, oh where God. guys just, you know, throw the ball in yeah. there and it just gets jacked.
0: He's also been worth a total of a half win below replacement level the last two seasons, going back to his last year in San Diego and his first year with the Twins. So I get that some of the peripherals and the analytics would show you, man, look at the movement on his stuff. And that's great, but... At some point when you've been in the league for six years and, you know, you're a 32-year-old professional pitcher, the results have to speak louder than sort of the potential <laughs> of the analytics. So I am with you. I do worry that they – I'm okay with – all right, if you guys want to test drive Emilio Pagan again, your theory that if we could just harness – man, he's a, he's driving a Ferrari but can't reach the pedals. If we can just get him to reach the pedals with a couple blocks under his feet or something – but he should not be like your second or third guy coming out in high leverage situations. He should be buried behind Alcala, buried behind Lopez, Duran, Griffin, Jacks. Just sixth inning. The sixth inning of three run games. Yep. Let's start him off there. And, and see he's got
2: happened. till June. And if he ain't good by June, he needs to be gone or I'm out. Yeah. All
1: right, Declan, uh, continuing with his packing order. What can get Declan back into uh, the Twins? Two more here. Another pitching theme. Someone on this staff turns into a Cy Young candidate a Cy Young shut down ace Mm. pitcher. So Kenta Maeda was really good in 2020 in the shortened pandemic season, runner up even to Shane Bieber. But I mean, let's be honest, he was north of 30 and it exceeded expectations. It was a wacky year. The twins haven't had a legit Cy Young candidate since basically Johan Santana left. And when Francisco Lariano had a nice year in 2010, uh, even looking at it now, he was 11th in Cy Young voting that year. They haven't had a legit treat to watch on the mound since Johan Santana that you knew that was going to be seven innings, 10 strikeouts or more. One of the They're hard to find, I get it. But someone on this staff turns into a legit Cy Young candidate. Is that Joe Ryan? Is there another ceiling to him? Is Tyler Malley, who's still only 28, is there another inch to him? Is Bailey Ober going to come up here and all of a sudden dazzles? Or someone in the rough that we're not talking about that completely exceeds expectations? We always talk about how great this depth of rotation is, and it does look good. Depth only gets you so far, okay? So I need to see someone exceed the expectation, become a legit Cy Young candidate that other teams do not want to face, and you feel really good about your Game 1 starter. Can someone exceed those expectations? Depth is nice, but I need to see a next level from one of these starting pitchers.
0: Well, if we would define Cy Young candidate as getting Cy Young votes, so you someone thought enough of you to say that you're you got votes in the top 10. Would that what What would your definition be? Because like they're, top top five. So there is one other pitcher on this staff besides Kent Maeda that has received top five. Uh, Sonny Gray. Now it's been seven years, but Sonny Gray in 2015, so almost eight years, was third in the American League Cy Young voting. He had a couple shutouts. He had uh, 208 innings pitched, and he went. If you care about win loss record for pitchers, he went 14 and seven that year. So they they you know. Sonny Gray has, and he also finished seventh in Cy Young voting with the Reds in 2019. So I don't think Maeda coming off injury another year older is going to be in the mix full season. To me, Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan are your two most likely candidates to to check that box.
2: I think Joe's the guy. I I think he is. He's still at, at an age where he's developing and I think he could be what Declan is talking about. I I think he is probably the best chance to be, you know, for for a guy. And and plus, too, I I guess how I sort of think of what Declan is talking about is you develop a consistency as well. So I'm not saying like a pop-up year. I'm saying a guy that turns into your top of the rotation. He might not be considered like a true big league ace, but he's your ace. I go Joe Ryan.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. All right, and the number one thing... Probably to the surprise of no one, just win a damn playoff game, please. That is, no, that we, have, is we have to
0: wait now yep. though for that one.
1: Well yeah, but I, I need to, I need to see that happen because since two thousand ten, so I was a, I was a junior and going into senior year of two thousand ten, all but three teams this is even just a win, all but three teams have won a playoff series in the major league baseball. The White Sox, the Twins, the Reds. Every other MLB franchise since I was a senior in high school has won a playoff series. 27 out of 30. The Minnesota mm-hmm. Twins are one of the three that haven't won a series, and they haven't won a game in their last 18 tries. I, I haven't even experienced what a postseason euphoria is. I even remember that's what crazy. that's like because I was 11. So that—that that is what I'm asking. Can you win a playoff game? Then it translates to a series. Then you're in the ALCS, and you're making a World Series run, and I'm going bananas. But I haven't even seen that since I was 11 years old. 27 teams have been able to do this. Why can't you do it? Postseason baseball, to me, is so stressful, but so much fun. Look at what Cleveland last year, right, in that great extra inning game that went like 15 innings. That city was rocking because they finally won the game. I was was in a bar in
0: Seattle when the Mariners came back down like nine runs. It's the most euphoric I've ever seen baseball fans. Yeah,
1: I want that. I want that feeling. That's the number one thing I want to see. So to recap my five things, my pecking order, the five things I want to see from the Minnesota Twins in 2023 to be bought back in. Stop perpetuating that you're the little engine that could. Number four, Byron Buxton plays 140 games. Number three, turning your bullpen into one of the best units in baseball. Number two, of starting pitcher turns into a legit Cy Young candidate. And Number one, win a playoff game. I love it, man. That was a great pecking order. That's fantastic. And nice don't work, forget
2: dude. the 25 or more bombs that you're going to get from Joey Gallo. too.
0: Yes. So yeah, yeah. My guy, right. Joey, I think Gallo. Joey Gallo.
2: I think Joey Gallo is perfectly placed here. I agree. Perfect market for him. Joey Gallo is what
0: happens if Miguel Sano kept himself in better shape and played high-level defense in the corner outfield spots.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he can run the bases, too. He knows how to run the bases.
0: Um, What was I just going to say? Oh, um, on the playoff game thing, the last time the Twins won a playoff game, George W. Bush's first term as president. Mm -hmm. First term as president. Facebook... Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, of course, did not exist yet. The last time the Twins won a playoff game. You couldn't even poke your friend on Facebook and say, hey,
2: poke. Was MySpace twins around one? time? MySpace Has
0: had MySpace been around. Been? I think MySpace peaked in like 05, 06. All right. All right. Yep. But I think it existed in 2004. Mm-hmm. So social media was just, it was basically a conversation over cocktails among the developers in Silicon Valley. When yep. the Twins last won a playoff game, incredible. Uh, Judd, is there anything you would add to that list? Because I think you're even like further away from buying into the Twins. Would you add? I mean, I think I feel like you would add like fire, Rocco, or change up front office or something before you would fully buy Be back, back in. into this thing. No, I'm
2: just. You know what? I am just. I'm taking very much a wait and see approach. I'm, I am just not going to buy in. I find no reason to buy in until I actually see the results and the results are the big are the long play too. So not just a couple of wins I'm talking about, are we going to see Dex didn't bring this up, but you know, Rocco is now threatened. I've got, he's basically said it without saying I have better starters. Now they're going to pitch longer. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that? Yep. Are we going to see some common sense moves? If they get to the playoffs, are we going to see a starter who is rolling? You had in your two losses to Houston last time that you were in the playoffs You had both your starters rolling, and either through your own means or through a decision that came from upstairs, took them out, and you lost both games. So, like, there is just so many things that I need to see from a common-sense standpoint. I am not saying that the new thought process in baseball are wrong, but I am saying that some of the stuff that this team has done makes no sense and is maddening, and I agree with fans who get pissed off. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm, I'm at, and for the love of God, you know, if if they don't play well and if things go go wrong if i can just hear before it all comes to an end valley sports north criticizing them once i'd really appreciate that
0: just Dex, where is the for when i'm in studio here where is the valley sounder
1: the it, Bally which page sports. is it on i feel like it's somewhere on daily sound but i mj i got it that yeah, ba- daily sound top left here daily
2: sound inside baseball oh my God, inside yeah. baseball folks oh see it coming up next there it is okay Coming up next, Dude, Joey Gallo strikes out four times, but he gets out in the community a lot. We'll go with Joey as he's out in the community. Some of the stuff on the garage, sale. my god! The Timberwolves garage sale—that was a great Today bit
0: at Target Center. It's the Timberwolves garage Timberwolves sale, garage sale. Timberwolves garage sale, Timberwolves garage sale. <laughs> all day long. Items such as these. What? That was a great bit. That was a funny bit. That's probably uh, too long to play here, but. If we get enough people that want to hear the Timberwolves garage sale garage bit, sale. we'll play it for you at some point. Uh, all right, Mackie and Judd, let's uh, let's dive into some Vikings here, boys. So, uh, if you missed it yesterday, we did a very controversial episode reacting to the Tom Pelissero report that the either the Vikings and or Kirk likely aren't going to come together on another one year contract. That's either going to be all or nothing, a multi year, or they're going to play out the last year. Or so. You can definitely check that out. We're, let's get in later on here to, to some things that we learned from the re, the reaction to that episode. But um, over on SI.com, the Inside the Vikings Fan Nation section of, of SI.com, Will Raggett, who does a good job covering the team, uh, I follow him on Twitter and uh, he's constantly riding the roller coaster of Minnesota sports. So you can follow him. And he has an article laying out some of the potential targets in free agency the Vikings could look at that mesh with Brian Flores, guys that Brian Flores has coached before. We've gone over some of these names on Purple Daily, but a new name just joined this list, and I think it's worth highlighting here with you guys. So the Washington Commanders released veteran defensive back Bobby McCain on Monday, and Will writes, the Vikings could be a logical landing spot for the versatile safety and slot cornerback. That's right. He's sort of a hybrid yeah. safety, in-the-box, slot cornerback type. And uh, he can actually because he was released, he can actually sign any time in the next two weeks before the league year opens up. If you get released, you know Derek Carr, for instance, can just go sign. He could sign tomorrow with somebody. So there's some other names on this list. But, man, a guy like Bobby McCain. So former fifth-round pick. He was in that Flores defense in Miami. Um, he was drafted by Miami in 2015. Five foot nine, one hundred ninety six, with four five one speed. So you wouldn't put him on the outside, but he could play some safety, some slot cornerback. And um, he grades out well according to PFF as a coverage guy. He's had grades around seventy in coverage out of a hundred the last two years. And this is the thing that I think maybe solves a couple problems all in one: some safety depth, but also last year he played four hundred four snaps in the slot. 350 snaps at free safety and then another 195 just in the box um the year before that in Miami he played almost exclusively as a free safety but a hundred snaps in the slot so I'll just start there like if you can get a veteran guy like him and he's he's uh 29 years old which is a little old but you're probably looking for like a one or a two year stopgap until you cultivate some some young players Bobby McCain an interesting name to keep an eye on Judd
2: He's the type of guy that I probably would give a a reasonable contract to, and not make promises, but he he could for sure compete. His skill set is intriguing. You don't see a lot of guys who are uh, safeties who can play in the nickel in the corner there as well. So that's the type of guy that I would, if he, you know, if he and Flores are are friendly and he knows Brian Flores' system, which he clearly does, I would certainly. Give him a shot. He's also the type of guy I think you sign with no assurances. So, like, he doesn't solve your problems, but he's got a chance to help with them.
0: That's a fair way to to that's characterize. That's what you would do?
2: Yeah. Well, I I would bring him here on a one-year contract and say you can compete, and there's a good chance because you'll come in ahead of the system because you played in, in it, so you'll be certainly uh, more progressed than some players. So I would, but I mean, it would have to be on my terms. So like if teams bid, I'd probably be like, okay, here's what we're offering you. Here's the opportunity. Uh, if you, you know, choose to go to the Bears or something, that's fine too. Uh,
0: a name that we threw out on Purple Daily last week that Will also throws out here on his SI.com article, five 5'11", 188 pound. He's a cornerback, but kind of a slot outside hybrid, Cameron Sutton who yep. spent the last few years under Mike Tomlin with Pittsburgh but you know Brian Flores worked with that defense too in 2022 with the Steelers former third round pick drafted in 2017 um just another in terms of like how he grades out on PFF just rock solid there's a couple flaws here in terms of like some, there's some missed tackle problems maybe with him but but he played the last 3 years he has played a total of 700 snaps in the slot combined the last 3 years and then the rest of the snaps mostly outside corner, but he's also mixed in with, you know, like last year he played, uh, played 10 snaps at free safety. So they kind of, they can kind of move him all over the place. And he's a little younger. He's a year and a half younger at age 28 PFF says eight to $9 million on a two or three year contract,
2: which I'd be fine with. I think he, I think that guy is more of the type of guy that you're probably going to target um because he, and one he's going to cost more clearly so it's not going to be a cheap endeavor but like that strikes me as the type of guy who you would sign with the direct intention to start either outside or the slot um so he would get more guarantees and I'd be comfortable with that but that is the exact type of guy that I think could alleviate you from feeling like you're absolutely positively obligated to draft a corner in the first round mm-hmm. don't you
0: yes i think so Although, it depends. Like, do you do you look at a guy like Sutton? Here's another name I'll throw out here that's on Will's list. And uh, Sutton is the third-ranked cornerback on the PFF list. The next guy is the fourth-ranked cornerback on the PFF list, Jonathan Jones from New England. He's 29 years old. Some of these 28, 29-year-old guys, those are just one- or two-year stopgaps. Might not prevent you from, if you th- thought there was a stud in the first round that could come in at age 21 or 22, two, six foot two, 200-pound, you know, a Joey Porter Jr. type guy. Yes. Um, I don't know that it would preclude you from drafting that player, but Jonathan Jones, another guy, he's 5'10", 190. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the slot his first few years in New England. Last year, he was almost exclusively an outside cornerback, but when he was in the slot, he was one of the better slot cornerbacks in the league in that same Bill Belichick 3-4 system. So... Another guy to keep an
2: eye on there. I actually think, too, and we we talked about this last week as well, I think the discussion about what they're going to do in the slot is way more important and deserves more attention than it gets. Because, you know what, if you're going to develop, so let's say that you think or you're banking on, perhaps mistakenly, that Andrew Booth Jr. is finally going to play. You know, he's not going to get hurt. He's finally going to be healthy and that there's a very good chance that he can win a starting job to start the season. And keep in mind, they traded up for him in the second round, so that was with the intention of him playing a lot. Andrew Booth is going to play outside. And if you look at the majority of guys on their roster, if you're going to develop them, they're outside guys. The slot is a weird position. It's why guys can now be like corners, slot, but they're a safety too. Um, And so I, I think among the most important things that is barely being focused on is the fact that replacing Shannon Sullivan is huge, because if you're not good in the slot, like look at the guys who line up in the slot now, or at least occasionally Jefferson, Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. they'll be in the slot. Then they're out. So like it's no longer this. Oh, we can cover that guy. It is now one of the and and the slot also provides challenges just as far as the, the schematics because of where you're playing at. That is much different. So you can't just say, well, Booth looks like he's good outside, so I bet he's good inside. We've seen that before, and it can be extremely dangerous and a really bad assumption. And this is a So, de- I like this idea.
0: It's a defense too that you're you're going to play more man coverage, so it's even more imperative you're not just going to be able to sort of zone scheme your way, not that that worked for the Vikings last year either. The middle of the field was just a gaping desert. So, but see, but it's even more important if you're going to play a lot of man coverage to have a guy in the slot that can keep up with some of the receivers that that you just mentioned sprinkled around the league. So, those are just some names that you know. Real, uh, you want to read the full piece. Will Raggett's kind of lays out. He even lays out some linebackers. Uh, Eric Rowe is another option as kind of a safety cornerback hybrid. But these are some of the names that are probably going to pop up starting in about two weeks once the legal tampering period officially opens up as the Vikings look to to fix one of the worst defenses in the NFL.
2: My guess, too, when, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the real free agent cornerback class, I think those top three or four guys are going to get paid substantially. So, like, that's where you're going to have to create room. Like, if you want to compete, and I'm not saying call them up and say, okay, what's it going to take? I'm saying call them up with numbers in mind that are going to be expensive. That's the thing is, because, I, I mean, every year, free agency contracts start to leak and there's certain positions i think that we're just perpetually surprised by oh my god this guy got that uh cornerback is one of them so it's going to be if you're going to get one guy it's going to cost you yeah
0: is there any scenario which you guys would bring patrick peterson back yeah yeah pff projects one year five million dollars for him
1: that's that's good with me i i don't think you can be in the business to overpay for him and give him a multi-year deal and i know he had a Basically a renaissance last year where he legit was one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. I just I can't commit to that at a position where the age cliff just falls completely off. I I think it's probably more likely right. He looks more like the Patrick Peterson in his first season with the Vikings than last season. Um, so I, one year five million, yeah, sign me up, no problem. But I I, I can't be strong armed into doing a multi year deal. And if Pat P feels like well because I'm coming off a big year, I want to go big payday, I would go see him. I I would tell him thanks and go find that for you.
2: I think Pat P is a tremendously valuable guy. I think he is a guy that has seen a ton. I think he's a guy that can definitely help your young corners. But keep in mind, Patrick Peterson was one of the few people on in the Ed Donatel scheme who benefited from it. Lots of zone. When he played man, it became dicey. So, no. I've got to move on because if I'm yeah. going to play the type of scheme, I think I'm going to... Like, the Renaissance came from the system which which again is weird because the system failed almost everybody else uh but I don't I don't think I can ask Peterson to play the aggressive you're on an island by yourself defense at this point you know back 8 years ago absolutely lights out unbelievable um but I've got to have quicker more athletic younger guys who can stick with receivers or else I feel like I feel like if we open the season with Patrick Peterson at the left corner and it's against the Packers again, Christian Watson's not g- going to drop that ball. And yeah. That's how you're going to start.
0: Yeah, I think I'm looking at you know the the five guys who are on the wrong side of thirty from that defense last year. So Darius Smith, Jordan Hicks, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith. It's just five guys, half your defense over the age of thirty. I am a hundred percent saying goodbye to the linebackers. Respectfully, Eric Kendricks awesome vikings career. You're welcome back anytime uh, to come hang out. I'm getting rid of both linebackers. That leaves three guys, so I'm getting younger faster at those positions. The Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith. Now Peterson is a free agent, so it's up to it's not just up to you. Right. I'm keeping one of those guys for sure because I want I want to keep some veteran leadership in there. You could maybe twist my arm into keeping two. But Harrison, so of those three guys I just listed that are left, Harrison Smith is my number. I want to keep Harrison Smith. I know that he's a safety and he's overpaid. Maybe you can get him to take a pay cut, but right. I just yes. I really want to see him in Flores' system, and I think he's a great leader. So among Zedarius and Patrick Peterson, oof, I think I'm probably ranking Zedarius ahead of Patrick Peterson if I were to keep a second one of those guys. But I wouldn't be opposed to just saying goodbye to almost everyone over the age of thirty and getting younger faster and. Avoid the age cliff.
2: So I would prefer to sit Harrison down and actually say, "Hey, you know what? Lifelong Viking, still a lot to give. Can we get your salary down?" But you know what? He's the one guy, Phil, of all of the all of the positions that you went through, where savvy is probably more important than speed. Mm-hmm. Um, safeties don't have to be fast. Safeties have to be in incredibly I mean, smart. Could
0: Peterson be a safety at some point? I don't think there's room for that here. Cause you already have your old that. aging safety. We in always Harrison. talk
2: about, we always talk, you know, years ago, Charles Woodson near the end of his career moved. And like, we always talk about that now. Well, this guy was a real good corner. Could he be a safety? Yeah. And you know what? Perhaps I don't know. I don't care. I, I need speed. And Peterson has to be fast. Harrison does not. The, the Zedarius thing that scares me is especially at his current salary is he was really good for about nine games and then fell off a cliff and that was a year after he didn't play um and so like if i'm ranking this by what do i need from you athletically as well harrison smith is the one guy who i think i can be like okay i'm fine there still but pat p i can't zadarius scares me and to your point the linebackers I can't watch a repeat of that. No, it's
0: the the linebacker thing is the the, the easiest decision on the team, right? Just to say goodbye to the two linebackers, get younger, cheaper, faster.
2: Like just as fans or just from the press box, like it was the same all the time. And I'm sure Ed didn't help those guys, but you got to have more speed there in 2023. Yeah.
0: One way to get more speed and get younger is the draft.
2: I want a mock!
0: And I have in front of you guys, it's a two-round mock draft update from PFF.com. Pro Football Focus. Now, the Vikings don't have a second-round pick, so these two-round mocks are kind of useless for us, other than just to see which players fall into the second round. But this mock draft update, which we do these across Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, we've done about 20 of them. Half the mocks in the first round have the Vikings drafting a cornerback. And that's because last year, opposing offenses were slicing and dicing the Vikings defense. Unlike old Olmackadak, who suffers from dull knives. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it is. You know, I can't even slice and dice a tomato with my old knives without uh, squishing them and having juice fly all over the place. I was telling Kyle on Flagrant Halls yesterday, I like to make homemade sweet potato fries. They're healthier. You can uh, control the ingredients in them. Good luck with the uh, the dull knives we had before uh, we discovered MyDullKnives.com. Cutting a sweet potato. It's just embarrassing. You walk around, people are pointing, laughing at you. Look at that. I bet that I bet that guy has dull knives. Just looks like a guy that has dull knives. MyDullKnives.com, where the folks at Vivrant will send you a safe and professional mail kit. You can send your dull knives on a little vacation to go get sharpened professionally. All of you have knives. They're likely dull, and I'm guessing none of you have had them sharpened before. It's an innovative, fascinating experience that will heighten your confidence and experience in the kitchen. Mydullknives.com. Tell them that Scornorth sent you, so we can, uh, you know, get the full credit too. Mydullknives.com.
2: Sweet potato fries. You said? Oh, yep. You no, I, I mean it sounds great. I, I love that that's that's, air fryer. that's good. Air uh So yeah, slice Don them slice some up the sweet potatoes, potatoes a little mm-hmm. olive oil,
0: little garlic pepper mix, and throw them in the air fryer for about a half hour. That's Boom. So delicious. So good. You can do it in the oven too, but we're we're an air fryer family yeah.
2: at the Mackeys. See, we we use both. Well, I shouldn't say we, that's a bunch of BS. Don uses both.
0: <laughs> we knew when the I words came right it. out. Yeah.
2: That's all I do. I clean the dishes. <laughs> And sometimes serve as a sous chef. That's it.
0: Here's the mock from PFF. The Colts trade up for the number one pick, and they land Bryce Young. Uh, it doesn't say what the trade is, but the Colts have traded up for the number one pick.
2: And Bryce Young is the only one of the top quarterback prospects not throwing at the combine. Right, Declan? Didn't we see that on on the, uh, the crawl yesterday? I thought he
1: I thought they said he was throwing at the combine. I think Bryce
2: Young is not throwing. I think everybody else, I think all the rest of the top prospects are throwing, which is interesting Mm, because ordinarily... Won't throw throw at the combine. Ordinarily, about three guys don't throw.
0: CJ Stroud to the Texans, number two. Okay. Now we have the Panthers trading up to number three to draft Anthony Richardson.
2: Oh, that's the Trey Lance pick then, huh?
0: Yeah, it doesn't say...
2: Going up and... and poaching the guy that we're not sure about?
0: Yeah, it doesn't say what the trade is, but it says they're trading up to number three. And then the Bears in the four slot now take Jalen Carter. Seahawks take Will Anderson Jr. Uh, The Lions take the first cornerback off the board, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. And then Will Levis goes seven to the Raiders. So the, the four quarterbacks off the board in the first seven picks. I like that pick there. Let's keep scrolling here. I uh, got the cornerback. You got Devin Witherspoon coming off the board at 9. You got some offensive tackles. First receiver off the board of the Texans at 12. Quentin Johnston from TCU. Zay Flowers, the second receiver off the board of the Patriots at 14. Joy Porter Jr. gone at 16 to the Commanders. Uh, Brian Branch, the Alabama defensive back, to the Lions at 18. Nolan Smith, edge rusher to the, to the Buccaneers at 19. JSN from Ohio State, the third receiver off the board, 20 to the Seahawks. Uh, Let's get to the Vikings here. On the clock at 23, and according to PFF.com, they select cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Wow. PFF and Kuyper both have Deontay Banks going to the Brian Flores. System. The write-up says six foot two, two hundred five pound Banks stands out as a man coverage outside cornerback. He does lack consistency when it comes to mirroring off press coverage. Football. But when he's in sync, he's one of the best cover cornerbacks in the class. The Vikings need to invest in a player like that on the outside. Uh the bottom line says Banks has all the physical traits of an all pro cornerback. He just needs to be more consistent with his technique. Brian Flores can hopefully Help with that.
2: Who who else is left in in the first round? Like who goes after that? Uh,
0: Jordan the Addison and Michael Mayer, the t- the receiver and tight end prospects, are the next two picks. Bijan Robinson to the Cowboys. Uh, guard Osiris Torrance from Florida goes twenty seven. Anton Harrison, the tackle from Oklahoma, goes twenty eight. Edge rusher Miles Murphy from Clemson goes twenty nine. Uh, defensive tackle Edge are thirty and thirty one. And don't then think... some familiar names that you like. So uh, Kelly Ringo in in the second round, Emmanuel Forbes, second round, Ooh. Drew Sanders, the linebacker, second round.
2: Ringo in the second round. Mm-hmm. I don't think, um, especially if I can address it in free agency, I don't think Jordan Addison's getting past me if I'm the Vikings.
0: I would not hate that. I'd like that. That
2: is, that is very intriguing for me. Young, team-controlled receiver. um. I could plug him in. I would hope as the 2. Like if you don't think that he's the 2, then I guess I would defer, but um if he is as advertised by many, he could step in for Thelan immediately. I mean, clearly KJ in their world is not that guy. I think I'd have to go that way.
0: Yeah, and we're going to that's the thing. Like the the draft is going to shape up so much more cuz in the next 2 weeks they're going to make roster moves and then they're going to sign free agents. And so in a month from now, this is going to become so much more crystal clear. By the way, John Michael Schmitz, the Minnesota center. Forty-seven to the Commanders, so he goes mid second round. And then there's a kind of a run on centers. Joe Tipman from Wisconsin goes fifty-three. Mm. I thought the Michigan kid was in here, but he is—he's not in the first round. So, so there you go. There's your mock draft mock. roundup ah. update on Mackie and Judd. Good show today, guys. Declan with a great Twins packing order. If they can do all yep. those things, I think uh, I think they'll be in good shape and uh, some interesting names for the Vikings to target with Brian Flores connections. Tomorrow, write that down predictions and an accountability session on both Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. Thank you, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.